Hey guys, what's going on? This is Tyson McGuffin and welcome to the McGuffin Show. On our fourth episode here, just uh, posted our last episode actually today. So you guys should uh, check that out on Facebook. Um, also too, I always post a little teaser video on Instagram. Um, so make sure you guys check that out. Mr. McKenzie, what is good, my dude? Hey, thanks for having me, man. Happy to be here. How you been? been- been a little bit, been a little bit. You know what, been a little bit, yeah. Uh, just uh, getting geared up for Newport, uh, been playing a little bit. Uh, luckily here in Idaho, things are things are still pretty much open. We're not we're not shut down. So uh, so yeah, a little, little indoor facility called Pink Tennis in Hayden, you obviously know of it. So been, yep, been yep. practicing there. I know you were in Phoenix this last weekend. So, you know, I had to, mm-hmm. uh, had to bring in some more, some more troops to beat up on, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, I, uh, uh, so yeah, we had, we had Rafa, uh, we had Rafa come up, uh, Matt Goble, uh, comes out about once every six months, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and Matt made an appearance and Matt, you know, every, every six or seven months, he kind of, he kind of creeps out a little bit. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, man, just, just getting geared up for Newport. Uh, actually been, uh, been getting some 6am sessions in with, with, uh, Leia. I know that sounds a little crazy, but, um, not gonna lie. I'm actually liking the, uh, early mornings and uh early evenings i've been i've been going to bed at like nine or ten every night been getting like yep. seven eight hours of sleep up by five five thirty get a little hot tub session in and then and then uh, drive my ass to peak so, so for sure for nice. sure yeah yeah definitely i i've gone over once yeah played with you guys a lot of fun but yeah i'm kind of the same boat it's definitely early very very early but it's something <laughs> you said for for getting getting you know your main training you know thing out of the way and then you can kind of tackle the rest of the tasks for the day. Yeah. I think anybody who's a anybody who's a routine person or yeah, you know big right. into fitness, it seems like a lot of them do it first thing, and and that's kind of the best way to stay consistent. Yeah, get it out of the way, feel good about yourself, feel disciplined, nice and early. No, definitely, it's a it's a nice feeling, um, especially for like having kids and stuff too, right? Like your kids are in bed by eight or nine, you go to bed right after, right. you're up early together, sure. so definitely makes sense. Kind of mirror their schedule a little bit. Yeah, it makes sense. Mirror mirror their schedule. Uh, want to give a big shout out. Want to give a big shout out to all of our sponsors this week. Uh, Turn a pickleball, Selkirk Sport, 1044 Pro, Voodoo Pain Relief Cream, Pickle Play, Beamer Therapy, Salt Stick, um, uh, R Bar, or Vitamin Drip CDA, or Renew, uh, Jolt Therapy Tool, and ASEA. Thank you very much. Um, hey, can you uh, tell the listeners here? Um, what you were doing the morning before you played at six because I, I think it's kind of a funny story and when you walked in the building your eyes were uh they looked yeah, a I was, little <laughs> a little tired and a little glossy i was definitely seeing double for about the first half hour we were there um so yeah so i uh you know with everything locked down here in washington have a lot of time on my hands so i decided you know i, I used to play poker for a living it's been a while since i've been pretty serious about it but I decided, what the heck, I'll enter a couple of tournaments and, and see how it goes. Well, I guess I didn't realize how long uh, they were going to go, and I was doing pretty well. So I, I think I finished second in it. There, you know, there was several hundred people that entered it, so it did pretty well, made a little bit of money. But I think I was up to about 2, 2.30 in the morning and uh, had to get up at 5 to then drive over, you know, drive an hour and play with you guys. So, yeah, when I showed up, it Night was, you. It was a little bit, yeah, I was a little, bit, little punch drunk and uh, did not <laughs> play my best for the first bit there. Um, I actually felt bad because I didn't know it was going to be all four of us. I thought it was just uh, three of us doing kind of like rotations really. So when I got there, I didn't tell you guys this, but I was so out of it. I shut my eyes for like 10 minutes in the car because I was just uh, totally, totally out of it. So then I show up, realize you guys were waiting on me to get going and I felt a little bad. But. That's too funny. <laughs> That's all right. Matt, Matt can either show up and play like a 3-5 or he can play like a 6-0. So don't worry. He was playing pretty good. He was no, no, good. no. That, uh, yeah, no. he was bringing it. And, and, and Mr. Goble, I say that with love. Um, uh, it, it, is, it is very true. <laughs> that, that, that man could be, he, he can be top five on any day or uh, he could be taught a, a part of that top 50 category, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. yeah. But sure. – uh, uh, always, always good to get Mr. Mr. Goble out and work on my hands, work on counterpunching against some of the best <laughs> offense in the game. Um, well, you know, and, and, and to his credit, we give him a lot, of, a lot of crap about, you know, we obviously play or are seen playing more often than him. Um, but to be fair, with his style, he's inherently going to be streaky. I think I heard it 
somebody told me the first time they saw Federer play, uh, you know, his first on the scene, he played a tournament where they were like, he looked like a, like a low 5-0. He was just shanking everything. And right. it took him a little while to get all that variety and really dial it in and refine it. And I think Matt is kind of in that category. He has so many options. The guy has so many different types of attacks and misdirection and spins. And when he's got it rolling, it's so tough to, to, Scary. to play with him. But he's going to have times where he falls off for a little while and you know yeah. loses his rhythm maybe more than you or I. Um, right. playing a, a little bit more of a simplified strategy. No, no, for sure. And that's just, that's just part of the offense. Part of the, part of the risk that you take. Um, <laughs> but, uh, hey, did you, did you get a chance to uh, watch the Mike Tyson? And uh, You know, I didn't. Roy I was going to ask you about it because I, I, I was watching all the buildup to it, but um, yeah. I was kind of meeting with uh, some of the people I was teaching. We were doing a dinner and just wasn't able to check it out. But I understand it was pretty pretty decent fight. It went down as a – was it a no decision? Is that, is that what they call yeah, it? Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's an exhibition, so they're, they're going to call it a draw. But Mike, Mike Tyson beat him up for eight rounds. Um, oh, okay. Tyson, so it was Mike pretty – Looks Clear. like a looks like a bad, you know what? Oh my gosh, he's just a bad man. <laughs> yeah, I saw some of the training videos, and, <laughs> and you know, world class trainers were saying, you know, he could get in there right now with some of the with some of the the, the professional fighters and do okay. I'm sure the fitness is you know a different right. category with the age, right. but just the the punching ability and the, uh, yeah. the violence. He's a he's a bad yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a he's a real bad man. Yeah, no, uh, it's kind of funny. Roy Jones Jr. Uh, looks like a true counter puncher like tried to like hold him up the whole time and kind of hang on him and like wear him out uh right. so it, it it was it was uh it wasn't like great to watch just because like mike tyson was trying to get after him and then roy jones was more mm -hmm. so just like kind of stalling but uh um, trying to slow it down yeah 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 but no it was it was fun to watch uh it was kind of funny like the co-main event was was jake paul fighting nate robinson jake paul is like a big youtube creator yep. uh guy has all this content and stuff like that and, uh, uh he's a rap artist as well he kind of does everything but uh um, right he's got like 30 million followers on instagram anyhow he ended up fighting my my boy nate robison uh who's who's uh who's actually from seattle washington ended up fighting oh, him yeah. and like nate robison like played for the celtics played in the nba for 10 years uh, obviously well, he not. won the dunk contest, I think, two or three times, too. So he's, yeah. he's a highlight reel. Yeah, right, right, right. So, so crazy athletic, right? But obviously, right. boxing is, is, is much different than, than just right. being athletic. Uh, and so <laughs> uh, anyhow, so he, um, he ended up getting knocked, knocked out in the second round and got knocked out hard. Like, I mean, got Yeah, I think he got knocked out cold, right? He was, cold. He was like out yeah, for a little while, was, right? It was, it yeah. was, it was kind of scary but uh i was trying to watch the highlight i don't know if they censored it because it was such a violent punch but they showed like a couple of shots and then they just showed and in this round he went out and it was on the ground so i figured it must have looked pretty uh pretty rough to see rough to yeah. see live yeah yeah but uh yeah it's kind of cool mike mike tyson uh he's like starting this company called legions of legends and basically it's like old time or like older fighters you know guys 50 plus who you know still have like a little little juice left in the tank who still you know have some competitive fire and and want to want to throw some punch and so yeah he's gonna yeah. uh he's gonna try to run like a pay-per-view a month um and uh and yeah kind of bring in some like uh celebrity fights and then always kind of uh, uh right. head headline it with like some sort of senior fight um so yeah kind of cool but uh, yeah yeah still have kind of a dual like former big name boxers with yeah. like current non-boxer celebrity types that's a good great idea senior tours great you know, the, the golf senior right tour there. yeah yeah for sure golf senior tour you have the, right. you know you, you have the old man's tour for uh tennis um but uh you know you, you know what's kind of funny is that uh uh mike tyson obviously owns like a marijuana <laughs> ranch it's called the, it's called the tyson ranch and then he's got his podcast it's called uh hot boxing with uh mike tyson and he, and he brings on a bunch of athletes <laughs> and like celebrities and stuff like that and basically just smokes a lot of thc oh yeah in a room and then talks talks nonsense but uh so yeah so he's got it he's got his little ranch and his ranch is in la uh but i was gonna tell you that like before the fight he uh not in his uh little interview like before the fight but uh in his like post-match interview he he told all the um all like the news reporters that he like smoked a joint before the fight <laughs> mike tyson yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, so I guess it calmed him down or something. I don't hey, know. Calmed him down. <laughs>
But uh, yeah, he, he credits like, I mean, like five years ago, he was like super depressed, like a hundred pounds overweight, you know, had all this stuff going on. And he'd like credits, uh, you know, all this uh, happiness in life to marijuana and like his whole, well, he has like this whole new look on, on life and like perspective and, and um, yep. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, kind of. Well, I remember back in the day when he was, you know, with huge name then too, but when he was maybe towards the end of his career where he lost some fights and wasn't performing as well, but it seemed like he had that reputation of, of being on antidepressants for years. I remember he was uh, publicly announced he was on Zoloft and all that. So okay. um, sounds like he's found for himself maybe a, a better deal, better way to, a cleaner to deal with, with all that all that stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds like he's obviously a big marijuana advocate. Um, so uh, Seahawks are playing tonight. I don't know if you're watching, but your ass better be. Playing Eagles, playing the Eagles. Playing the Eagles. I like their chances. I like their chances. It's at, yeah. it's, I think it's in Philadelphia though. It's at right. the Eagles. Yeah. But um, uh, I mean, Eagles, I think have looked a little bit better, but they started the season looking bad. really, really rough. Yeah. Um, I think they're Carson. I think they're three and six. Yeah. Yeah. Carson Wentz, so the quarterback. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I I believe. I know he was kind of on the the hot seat like early in the season. I think when they went yeah. Yeah. zero and four, one and four, or something. But I believe they've stuck with him, and their division is is pretty poor this year. So even though they're three and six, I think they still have a have a shot at it with uh, think Are they? the Giants. And oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the Cowboys. <laughs> the Giants, the Cowboys, and who else is in there? Redskins, I think. Right. Who can, who can lose the most games and then end up number yeah. one in the conference? <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely going to be one of those years where they have like a – the winner of the conference has maybe a 500 record or slightly yeah, right. worse. Right, right. The Seahawks enjoyed that a couple of times over the last yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. decade or so. <laughs> Slid <laughs> by. in there with a conference win. Did did you see that uh, Denver Broncos had to pull out like a four string wide receiver just to throw him at quarterback? You see that? I did not. Oh, uh, it was, a, not. It was so a complete bloodbath. Yeah. So so basically, it's kind of crazy, dude. Uh, I, I don't I don't know the the uh, uh, true facts behind it, but like essentially, all the quarterbacks were at the facility there in Denver, and they didn't have a mask on, and they were just getting some like training in. Uh, with a coach over a Zoom call or something like that. Anyhow, mm -hmm. one one of the quarterbacks had COVID, and they were all in a in a room together, uh, and none oh, of them had cool. mask on. So, yeah, crazy. So the so the league ended up uh, ended up forcing them to have to play and kind of used it as like an example. Um, no so Obviously, obviously, like follow protocol. Don't be dipshits. Uh, you know, go go about things the right way. And when you're getting paid that type of money, I mean, you you freaking listen yeah no for yeah, sure yeah. You, you fall in line you fall in line you, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, no uh, reason to be a rebel so they yeah. got destroyed then i'm guessing so yeah they got they got beat up and there was there was a game uh i can't remember uh i think it's the steelers and somebody else but they they postponed their game from sunday to tuesday because of covid and then they pushed it back even to wednesday because so many players mm. uh, had covid but uh, uh so it sounds like the league is moving games if if teams are following protocol, but obviously if you're, if you're the Broncos and all the quarterbacks are in a room together and nobody has a mask on, then they're going to make an example out of you. Well, yeah, they weren't going to be able to delay it long enough. They probably have to go 14 days of, of quarantine um, to even right. have a shot. So yeah, it would have been too long. Um, tell me, tell me how your Thanksgiving was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, solid. So I, I think I told you that I was a little worried I was going to have to do all the cooking because Callie, uh, was laid up pretty bad, but it was more of a tag team effort. I was kind of more her, her gopher in the kitchen. She at least directed me in the right way. So it wasn't a total disaster. And the Give you a little roadmap. Ate pretty, <laughs> the kids still ate pretty well, but it was first, uh, first Thanksgiving in a while that we just kind of did our own thing with That's the family. Cool, yeah. We didn't go yeah. see other family. And, and it was actually really nice. Um, obviously it's great to see, you know, extended family, but kind of doing your own thing more on a private, more intimate scale was uh, a nice change of pace for us for sure yeah how was uh how was visiting you went over to to seattle yeah right? seattle it was it was short and sweet man but it was good yeah uh, we flew in wednesday night took skyman over there with us uh and, and banks and banks and meg and yeah stayed at my mom's on wednesday and then went over to uh uh my grandma's house in enumclaw in the middle of freaking okay. nowhere you know do you know where enumclaw is you know um i on the drive, I've always seen the sun. I don't think I've driven yeah. through very much, but yeah. yeah, yeah. 
driven uh, near, near it. Right, right. So I ended up, uh, yeah. Uh, so it was her first time getting to see Banks. So she like, you know, held Banks for three hours, didn't give her up. Well, but she loved Oh that. man, oh, her, I had her that. eyes just looking at her for like three straight hours. So no, it was cool. Um, <laughs> so that was, that, was, that, that was like the deal was just seeing my mom and then letting grandma obviously meet, meet Banks and hold Banks and stuff like that. And then we ended up flying back on, on Friday. So, so yeah, a little, little short and sweet uh, trip. Um, I was actually going to stay for the weekend, but um, yeah, it's just crazy, man. There's just nowhere to play in Seattle. Like Pickleball Central obviously closed. I mean, everywhere in Seattle's mm. closed. And so I know. What a bummer. Uh, you know, texted, uh, you know, Brian Ashworth, Nick Williams, Glenn Peterson, I mean, all those guys and just slim pickings. I mean, talk about a shitty situation. God. I, I, I mean, honestly, like if I, if we didn't have at peak right now, I mean, what the hell would we do? I yeah, I mean. no, exactly. I mean, just work on our, work on our fitness, right? Shadow like, swing with getting reps in shadow swing. <laughs> yeah. Come up with some at home, at home training, at home training <laughs> exercises. <laughs> visualize. Uh, visualize uh, an attack. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's, it's, surpri it's surprising to me though, Seattle, like when I moved over this way a couple of years ago, I didn't think that this would be like a better spot for, for having, you know, finding a spot to play and pickleball facilities than the whole no. Seattle area, which is a pretty big hub for pickleball in general. There's, you know, the parks are always full, you know, with, with rec play, you know, over there. So it's too bad they don't have a, have a year round spot anymore. Yeah. No indoor facility to be, to be seen. I mean, I, I, I mean, whoever, whoever uh, wants to invest in like a freaking warehouse, uh, that, that obviously doesn't doesn't cost too much in Seattle. It's gonna, I mean, it's gonna make a killing. Like, I mean, Seattle's yeah, dying like for was, right. tw twelve court indoor facility, key card service. Anybody can go in at any time. I mean, it's I mean, um, it rains. You know, nine months out of the year, ten months out of the year. There. I mean, it's crazy hell. Right. Uh, it, it seems like there's some tennis clubs that are starting to sprinkle in. You know, pickleball at select hour or select times and stuff like that. Right. But um, but yeah, nothing that's you know very consistent. Well, and that's what I was going to say. It's not even just one of those areas where seasonally in the wintertime people would want to play. I mean, because of all the rain that they get, I mean, year round having the ability to play indoors would be just a real benefit there anyways, you know, with, with the rain. So right. I think it's just a matter of time, but the first person to, to jump on that and do it right, like you said, it's probably going to make a killing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I don't, I don't know if the viewers here have seen the uh, new Selkirk bags, but uh, yeah, they, they come uh large medium and small this is the uh medium uh size wouldn't call it a day pack just just medium bag here um yep. so they basically took, took, took the old bag shaved these down uh made it a little boxier made it a bit more compact put that right there so yeah so i ordered mine but i haven't had a chance to check it out does it still have the shoe compartment underneath or? so uh um, not yet so not for the medium size yet. but okay. for the for the large size yes for so, the tour bag the large correct size. yeah okay. tour bag yeah so the so the tour bag um essentially is the same bag as before but like tight compressed um okay i like the floppy sides that used to kind of uh, you just make the big like, or make the bag super big. Is now right. nice and nice and tight. Right in, before so. they just had before they just had the day, and then the big tour bag, and then they decided Correct. to go with the medium as well. Um, definitely a big old bag, um, the large size for sure. Um, yeah. that's what I ordered though. Uh, Callie and I were joking around. It's like our, it's almost like our diaper bag. <laughs> with the Why not? Kids, we go to the courts. We're we're throwing snacks in there and anything else we can. So we it's love called, we love the big old bag. Bring it on. It's called <laughs> being being efficient, baby. Being efficient. <laughs> okay, guys. So uh, topics of the week. Uh, we're gonna talk about uh, playing within your limitations um, and kind of understanding that role or understanding uh, kind of what's under that umbrella. Um, we will uh, talk about some potential sleepers and some of the teams that are playing the Newport tournament coming up this weekend, uh, both men's, women, and mixed. Uh, we will uh, get into the nugget of the week, uh, and then we will uh, kind of end with some camp recap stuff coming up uh, in the next couple of weeks. So, uh, so Kyle, hey, cool. so w when, you, w when you think about playing inside your limitations or, or understanding, understanding your limitations or understanding what you do well, um, and then, and then also to, uh, not only understanding yourself, but understanding how to maximize your full potential. Um, what, what does that say to you? Um, 
you know, I think uh, I think it's just maybe a, like a really common misconception. I, you know, I've noticed this when I, when I teach or when people ask me questions. I think people think that at the pro level, like since you know everybody's so good that they they can do everything, right? That they right. they they've got all the shots. And and to some degree, I guess that's true. And obviously different for different people. But um, I would say let, let's look at you for example, right? Number one or two in in, in singles um, over the last couple of years. Obviously top five in doubles over the last couple of years as well. Um, I think people are surprised when I tell them, I say, you know, Tyson can do a little bit of everything, but how often do you drive your one-handed backhand in singles? Right, right. <laughs> Pretty rare, I, right? I haven't, right? I haven't driven in three years. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, here's a shot that you can do, right? But you know it's not your strength. You know it's, right. it's somewhat limited, right? Um, right? One of the very best players in the world, and it's a major shot that you choose not to use, right? Because you just don't see how it gets you as a head as other things um, for me when i first started i uh really did had a poor backhand return i didn't slice the ball yet wasn't really comfortable there so i would stand way over um yeah, and right. shade to where i only basically played forehands and just gave them a tiny sliver and so i think people underestimate how much uh you can really get ahead by hiding your weakness up to a certain point right and so right. i think it's so important to to know who you are, know your identity as a player. You don't have to do uh, every single thing really well, but you need to have, um, I think, like bunches or a few different categories of things that you do well that connect or go together, right? Like, so I think, right. you know, when you for look sure. at the recipe for, for the most, I'd say the most common recipe for top level uh, pickleball players right now, I would say it's somebody who dinks very consistently and who has very strong counter-punching hands. I think there's a lot of guys in that category that have broken through and have been, you know, some of the top guys around on a, on a regular basis because they on are very consistent in the kitchen line. Yeah. Those two skill sets, because right. a team is either going to have to outlast you by, you know, having you make the error first in a dink setting, or they're going to have to speed up and bring aggression through you and, and beat basically the counter-punching skills. I would say, you know, guys like Riley, obviously they can do a little more too, but at their core, I think guys like Riley are very similar to that. Guys like Adam Stone, yeah, very true. Uh, guys like Steve Deacon. I think there's a lot of people that fit that style. I think you're a little bit different because I'd say you're a, a high level, you know, a high level dinker, really great with the soft game and consistency, but you're almost in a category of your own to me where like uh, your resets are, are really what, uh, what separates you from, from a lot of the other high level people, not necessarily uh, counter punching but right. I think you can go a long way and even all the way to the top with not being a master at every single shot no and I mean just like what you said I mean just under or like being good at two being good at two skill sets you know dinking aggressively or just dinking well and counter punching or you know finding some ways to be offensive um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah I, I think this is uh, this is an interesting topic but uh, I mean something that I that I always tell campers is you gotta you gotta kind of understand what your panic button is under pressure and then think about your limitations mm -hmm. under that. You know what I mean? Like think about, think about your panic button. Think about like, uh, you know, when you're, when it's eight all or nine on, like you feel pressure, like what do you always go to? Like, do you, do you not take as many dinks out of the air? Is your feet always dancing at the kitchen line? Do you like refuse right. to, to speed up because you're, because you're handcuffed because you feel pressure. Um, mm -hmm. So it's, it's understanding what your panic button is. And then, and then from there, uh, uh, yeah, kind of giving yourself like a little roadmap and figuring out, hey, what are, what are my limitations here? Um, and I, I, I think, um, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to understand your limitations uh, in, like, in like rec play with no pressure. It's something totally different to understand your limitations <laughs> under sure. pressure in a, in a tournament, no, right? For sure. Yeah, there's, for I, mean, sure. I mean, you're not going to feel limitations when, when like you're not feeling pressure. So pressure plays a very large piece in this, right? Um, yeah. But, uh, you well, know, I, and it's so important to know like what type of player you are too, and be self-aware. Cause I thought you referenced a great point. You said, you know, somebody's panic button might be maybe that they're speeding up too much, but right. a different person's panic button might be that they don't speed up at all. And that right. maybe be, maybe is the type of player they are and that's what they need to do. Something like, you know, somebody like Matt Goebbels, if he feels pressure, he might think, oh, just get the ball in, but that's not really who he is as a player. So Correct. he needs to kind of trust the offense in those moments whereas maybe you or i maybe need to trust the consistency or whatever we feel like is our edge so it definitely yeah. varies from player to player edge. yeah and I, I think i think just like what you said they're always like stay true to yourself always always stay true to your identity sure. 
uh, you know, and um, yeah, there's there's certain things that I that I know uh, that I can do against select people that I that I can't do against uh, against you know some some of the big horses. Uh, so I think mm-hmm. it's uh, it's a little it's a little situational based on the player too. Um, so you take into account pressure. You take into account kind of who you're playing. Uh, you know what what sort of style they have. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I mean, for me, I know like under pressure. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna lock down. I'm gonna make dinks. I'm not gonna miss drops. I'm gonna make my opponents respect me, and I'm gonna be like a true counter puncher. Um, right. But but yeah, I mean, plan B would be if I'm if I'm in that situation and I understand that I'm not being successful there then I'm going to have to turn the knob a little bit and find some different things to do. Right. Um, but well, uh, and it takes, I mean, think about what that takes Phil. It really takes checking your pride at the, you know, at the doorstep a little bit, because yeah. I mean, you, you referenced it, you, you're able to be the analyst in those moments and say, Hey, these certain things might work against a certain caliber of player. But if you're playing against the very, very top, you've got to adjust and say, Hey, listen, you know, this element or this part of my game may not match up well enough against this opponent i might have to try to win a different way but you know there's a certain category of people that are so prideful that they just say hey i like this about me i don't care who i'm in front of this is how i win this is what i'm going to do and so you know it's a fine line that you have to ride a little bit i think ben ben's ben's a great example there the guy and it's it's tough (laughs) not to be that stubborn when you win 98 percent of the time but uh um yeah no this is uh i was gonna I was going to fucking branch off on something. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, let's, uh, you know, for example, uh, you know, uh, the, the tournament in Atlanta, you know, I'm playing Ben, uh, I'm down zero eight in game three in singles. And uh, he always hits, hits, uh, hits his server turn to my forehand and me being down zero eight. And I brought it back to eight all. He's still, hit the return to my forehand, even when I brought it all the way back. And I, and I ended up winning game three, like 14, 12. And he was still feeding me balls to my, to my dominant side. So it's tough. Like when you're like ingrained with your patterns and you're winning such a mm-hmm. high percentage of points, it's tough to go away from that stuff. Right. I mean, that's, that's like old yeah, faithful. Yeah. So, um, uh, but there, but there's something to be said with, with uh, understanding limitations under pressure and then understanding limitations uh, just based off, based off the individual or based off of who's in front of you. Um, yeah, yeah, great point. And one thing too, I think that's, that's valuable for the audience is just because you have a limitation doesn't mean that you're always will have that, right? But I know, but to me, I think you have to be able to uh, differentiate between rec play and tournament play. And so you don't want to just force yourself to work through your weakness in tournament play. Your partner wouldn't really like that very much if you're just trying to dust off the cobwebs. So I think recognize where your weaknesses are think of a training program to try to turn that weakness into a strength or at the very least plug that hole. But come tournament time, you're not going to have enough time to plug the hole. So you might have to think your way around hiding it a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, and there's nothing wrong with, with, uh, you know, hiding it a little bit and wrapping your game around what you do. Well, Um, I know, I know for me too, like under pressure, um, when I'm able to kind of hide my weakness and cover some of that stuff and then bring out some of like my, my more stronger Some attributes, strength. it takes, mm-hmm. takes the, take the monkey off my back, you know? Uh, you know, so I think, sure. uh, uh, you know, if you're, I mean, s- something that I do, um, and this is a fun little tip for the viewers is, you know, like, let's say if I'm on, if I'm on the left side and I'm dinking backhands cross court and I'm trying to speed up at the person in front of me, if I've tried to take a roll backhand out of the air and speed up at him and I, and I felt like, either my speed up wasn't good enough or I had a stamp on my forehead that, that said I was coming in hot, plain and simple. If I'm not able to beat him there, then I'm going to start using a inside out forehand dink and then start looking to speed up with my forehand going up the line. So just a little example. Use of, your legs. Not yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. Yeah. So there's, so there's definitely something to be said with, um, you know, if you like your forehand and you feel like you can use your feet wisely and you're physical enough to, get your feet around it. There's nothing wrong with, you know, looking, looking to make it a forehand type of day. Um, but yeah, uh, but well, yeah I, I mean, you hit, hit the nail. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go, go, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, I think what you showed is there's more than one way to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. If you're just willing to be creative. Right. Yeah. So sure. you're in a situation where you're recognizing 
I want you want to find some offense and pick on the person in front of you. If you don't feel like the backhand's good enough to do that, then try the other side, right? So there's always probing and experimenting, and it's yeah. not just one way to try to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. And so I think that's what I enjoy about the sport, you know, tactically is how can I figure out what I do well to mask that up to be a strength and how do I, you know, figure out to how to hide my, my weaknesses to still be able to manage and compete and match those up with the opponent. So yeah. that's what, yeah. uh, that's where my passion is at for sure. Is, yeah. well, <laughs> is, I, I uh, think how to, how to match up. Yeah, I, I think like what you said too is pretty eye-opening. Like you take a look at like the big chunk of players that are all being pretty successful on tour and and usually it falls under the umbrella of just being good counterpunchers. You know, like there's not a lot of guys who have a lot of offense. Like Matt Wright, Ben Johns has good offense. Good mixed players have good offense. But I mean, like, yeah. like, like you take a look at Riley. Like R Riley's really not offensive off the bounce or out of the air. Riley's more more offensive with like his general presence and, and like taking over the court and kind of being big and poaching and stuff like that. So, you know, obviously various, various forms of offense, but, um, yep. um, but like you take a look at the guys that are doing well in mixed and doing well in men's. And usually those guys have some offense like a Riley, you know, like a uh, Matt, Ben, myself, um, you know, who else is kind of in that category of, of playing some, playing some good mix at the moment. Uh, Jeff Warnick, obviously super, you know, super yeah. offensive guy, six, seven. So, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to do it mixed, uh, you know, and if you're going to, if you're going to be on the podium and mix, you definitely have to find some, find some ways to speed up. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, one thing I've, I've been thinking about lately and we'll see if you agree or disagree though, is I would say the type of offense needed in mixed is different in a way than the type of offense needed in men's. And I'll, I'll kind of use this with, with myself and Matt, I've, and Matt Goebbels is a comparison because we play with him a lot and, and I know his game pretty well. Um, Matt's got such variety that his offense is fantastic for men's. But if you look at his results and just even have a conversation with him, I, don't, he, I know he doesn't enjoy mixed as much. And I would say it's because he's always trying to set the point up and really beat you with a, uh, for lack of a better term, fancier speed up, where right. in mixed, really the frequency and being bold and going at uh, the female, maybe when you haven't worked the point as much, and even maybe when they know it's coming, but just to try to say, hey, listen, I'm going to try to overpower you. I know that when I played with Leia in Texas and we had a pretty good run, it was the first time I'd played that level in mixed, and I wasn't sure how well I would do. I felt like my speed-ups maybe are a little less uh, deceptive than others, and so it's harder for me to do that in men's, but I felt like in mixed, even – I, even if I was only winning 60% of those fast exchanges, it still made sense for me to try to initiate an attack against the gal because it was still better for us as a team. So kind of a different way of looking at offense. You can be more of a, a wilder, reckless offense, I guess, if you will, in mixed. Yeah, and yeah. it still be a good play for your team. Yeah, I mean, Jeff's, Jeff's a good example of that. I mean, he's kind of, uh, you know, in that realm of just like wreaking havoc in, in mixed and, and kind of covering 70% of the core, obviously, let yeah, – let, letting Jesse do her thing, letting Jesse dink, letting Jesse drop. But I mean, Jeff's got the, Jeff's got the middle covered. And, um, and I, yeah. I, you know, take a look at Matt, like Matt's very stationary with his offense. Uh, you know, he, he kind of sits in like 20% of the court. You take a look at like Jeff, <laughs> why, why, why Jeff is so efficient and mixed because not only can he dick, take a dink off of Jesse's inside foot, but he can like reach right. over and poach middle and then get back and cover a ball. That's like pulling him out of position. You know, um, you know, yeah. you know what, you know what shot that freaking nobody has, but Ben and I am, and honestly too, this is like what sets him apart from, from anybody. This is, this is some scary shit, but it's, it's when, when he goes <laughs> like when, when he can take a dink off of Simone's left foot and go inside out with it. And then Simone looks to Ernie off of that. And then the guy, oh, dinks, right, right. the guy dinks aggressively back cross court. Think, right, right, right. Think you know where I'm going with this. And then Ben basically <laughs> is 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 moving to his left. He's gaining balance and he's able to speed up like as he's moving to his non-dominant side off the bounce and then get ready for a recounter. That's that's some, yeah, that's some just... pretty pretty good business. Like when you're when you're going inside out with a dink uh, from the middle and you're on your chick side. And then when the guy can dink back out wide and then you can get there and speed up and then get ready for a recounter. Uh, I mean, to even gather yourself and balance right. yourself to get gathered for a speed up, let alone to like reposition, get ready for a recounter. 
I mean, it's pretty good. It's very good. You have to have the whole package to yeah, even try that, right? No, Your touch no. has to be incredible. Yeah. Your body control, hand speed, uh, scary. anticipation. I mean, you, you have to have everything to make that work. And yeah, the guy is very talented. No, no, for sure. For sure. Um, but uh, anyhow, so let's, let's get talking about uh, Newport here. Um, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through some of the teams that have signed up. Okay, and I've got a few written down, a few of the sleepers, sleeper teams. Okay, so looking at, uh, looking at some of the men's teams here, uh, we have Lung and Divier. Uh, Lung and- It'll be a fun Lung team. And, I don't think yeah. they've played together before. Lefty and, or at Tall and Tall. Uh, let's see here. Uh, uh, Deckel, Deckel and Adam, good team. Uh, yeah. Eric Lang and Randy Zvinden could be a- an interesting little yeah, team team head baby sleeper for sure i don't know if they've i don't know if i've seen those guys uh team up together before um yeah maybe they have i haven't noticed it though yeah for sure um talk dj young and callen that's yeah. another potential they're all uh, sleeper yeah talk about understanding your limitations like how how unique is randy's vendance game <laughs> yeah i mean I mean, I mean, credit to him for, I, mean, no, I don't think he's a tennis guy. It certainly doesn't look like no, it. With the and, ma um, and maximizing all that unorthodox uh, right. stuff. I mean, he, he, does, he does a very good job of, of like, um, you know, he can like disguise all of his dinks. He's got a lot of flowy stuff going on with his take back. He's got all that exaggeration. Uh, he doesn't really speed up a whole lot, but the guy's got great hands. I mean, he dinks well, he's good in transition and he can counter. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and I, I mean, when like, he does speed up, it's it's a pretty like high level misdirection, yeah, fancier type type very, ball. Yeah, it's very Matt Goebel-ish, if you know what I mean. <laughs> kind of has that has that same. When flair. I think one of the things that's kind of unique about him, and I haven't played against him a lot, but just kind of one of the reputations of of why um, he's so difficult when he does speed up is uh, my understanding is he has a reputation of kind of varying the height of the ball. Some people will wait. Till the ball sits up at the apex, that's kind of the standard of that when is he decides to strike yeah. it. He'll he'll sometimes take it as it's still rising, or then sometimes he'll take it after its apex and is starting its descent. So, if you can do that and vary when you hit the ball, it's just like like a pitcher in baseball. Just if you can throw the timing of the counter puncher off just enough, yeah. that yeah. can be enough to get those attacks through. Right. Right. Um, Kind of a fun little tip for the viewers. If you've tried to speed up with like a 40% speed up and you, and you tried to go calculated and, and well-placed and it didn't work, you should try to go 80% speed up that's not as calculated and uh, see if you're more successful there. So think about either changing the, changing the pace of your speed up uh, up or simply maybe changing the location on their body or just like what Kyle touched on and this is obviously a bit more higher level. But, uh, yeah. uh, you know, maybe make contact as the ball's still rising or make contact at the apex, which is the norm, or you can let the ball deaccelerate and drop a little bit. Um, but, yeah, to just kind of flirt with that and see, see if you can find anything. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, so, um, All right so, so Tyson, so men, so men. So, uh, obviously, as far as on-paper favorites, you, Riley, and then uh, Ben is playing with his brother Colin on this one. So. I mean, I think it's pretty fair to say on paper that, that both your you two teams are, are favored to get there. I mean, we'll see how it goes. But if you had to pick the top sleeper team um, yeah. in that group, who would you, who would you go with, you think? Uh, top sleeper team. Um, top sleeper I, team in men's. Yeah, yeah. I, I would go with Warnick and uh, Navatil. Uh, they, yeah. they beat uh, Wright. And John, oh, sorry, sorry. They beat Wright and Johns in Atlanta this year at the Georgia Open. Um, also, who beat uh, who beat Matt and Ben in Vegas? Wasn't it Jeff and somebody else? Who was? No, it? I believe it was Eric Lang and Tyler Liu. Got it. Got it was it. Eric oh. and, and Liu. Shoot, yeah. shoot. So uh, yeah. yeah, so so you know what? I'm gonna throw uh, I'm gonna throw two in there. Um, I know, I know, I know you. Probably don't want to hear that, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in Warnick and Navatel, and then after hearing that, uh, no, it's Lang and Zvinden. Lang and Zvinden. It's not Lang. Yeah, and yeah, and it's it's I Tyler got, and got, Jay got, and, yeah, and Lang. Right. Lang yeah, I got some got some uh, some odd teams here. Uh, you know what? I'm actually gonna stick to uh, Warnick and Navatel. Good team. 
Jeff, uh, yeah. scary, scary man, big hands. He's starting, he's starting to dink a little better. Uh, his, his forehand dink's still shit, but uh, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> take, take that, Jeff. I know, know that it's all come from love. Uh, well, I think if there's somebody who can dish it out and uh, take it, I think Jeff's yeah. – he's right at the top of that list, I think. Yeah. So I think but, I think but, I mean, if you, if you ask people what, what the recipe is with Jeff, uh, usually it's dinking to his forehand. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I think with, uh, you know, Jeff's, Jeff's movement, his, his, his presence, uh, you know, his hands, and then with how Navatil can kind of be physical, take a lot of balls, kind of be everywhere, make a lot of dinks. Um, you know, it's a, it's a tough little team for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, they're, they're a smart pick. And I think something to be said for, for somebody like Zane, you've seen the consistency in his results across the board of the last couple months. Yeah. And I think it's been relatively new or recent. He's gone full-time pickleball, right? So yeah, yeah, he, sure. he burned his bridges, quit his career, moving full-time into this. So you know that he's putting in the time and the focus yeah, is sure. there. And he's had an immense amount of talent for a long time. And then Jeff, uh, I think I said this the other day, the more I study the sport, the more I really uh, increase my IQ on like the skills that really, really matter, the more I'm a fan of Jeff and Jeff's yeah. game. It's just he's – He's really good in a few ways that are really tough to beat. And I think he's going to be a, be a tough guy to go through for, for a while. Um, if you took them, though, I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to take Tyler and Jay. That's a okay. really athletic team. Um, I guess the, th the thing to look for, I guess, um, you know, I, I know that Tyler's uh, really consistent, has great counter-punching hands, but he dinks a little bit more defensive, not as aggressive with the yep. dinking. So Fair I true. guess we'll see – does Jay counterpunch well uh, enough to, to, to handle himself if people are trying to attack through him? I haven't played against Jay enough to know that, but that'll be yeah. the, the one area we'll, we'll see how that chemistry works. No, there's definitely going to be a very good team. Um, let's, uh, let's take a look at the females here. All right. A lot of some different names, different okay. teams here. Let's see here. Let's see before. Okay. So, uh, yeah, taking a look at the women's draw, uh, we have Newman – McGrath, Franco, Ansbury, uh, Callie Smith, Jesse Irvin, Jesse Irvine, uh, Tereshenko and Coop. It's a good team. Uh, mm -hmm. Tereshenko and Coop are coming off their, their fresh dub at Chicago Open. They got a, they got a big yeah. win over, uh, over Simone and Jesse. And that was Simone and Jesse's yeah. first time playing together. So I don't know if that has something to do with it. No, no discredit to, to that win at all. But, uh, uh, and then we have, but I think uh, they were, they were definitely the on paper favorites there, the Jesse and, and Simone. So it was yeah, a, yeah, it was a really so. great, yeah, great win. And they played, they played great all day. I, I watched, uh, I yeah. watched a few of their matches there in Chicago. Uh, Parento and Jardine, good team. Uh, so you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to throw some love to my old mix partner who I love dearly. Uh, she's just a pain in the ass to try to play with because she's got way too much going on in Grand Rapids but I love her to death is Andrea Coop and Irina Tereshenko. I think uh, coming off the fresh, you know, coming off that win at Chicago, I, I don't know if that was their first time playing together, but obviously having that chemistry together, um, I, Irina had a, had a very good last three months of the year. Um, she, yeah, she, she, she really, she really didn't show up for the first half of the year, last half of the year. She, she started to kind of find her best form. Uh, kind of, uh, you know, was, was able to really uh, find some of her best stuff. Uh, and, uh, and, I, and I always kind of put her, like, in that top three category. Um, I just kind of felt like the last year and a half she, she uh, kind of let off a little bit. But, uh, yeah, no, she, she definitely picked it back up the last three months. And so I, I, I think with, with, uh, with how lock solid, uh, you know, Coop is and with how Irene is playing better, I would, I would put them as not, not the sleeper team, but I would put them as the team that's going to win. Okay. Okay. Um, so give me, give me your top three then you, you're, you're picking them for the gold. Who, who else is on the podium? Yeah. Yeah. Who, who uh, do you go two and three? Um, so, so two and three, let's go, let's go, uh, Jardim and Parento and then, uh, God, that's tough, man. And then Smith and, and, uh, Jesse, I guess that's tough. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, any of those, any of those teams could, could, could be one. Yeah. I think three. on paper, I think that's, uh, so I, I'd probably keep, if I were you, I'd probably, there's, uh, I'd probably keep the same top three. I'd probably just mix up the order. Um, I, I'm going to go with Simone and, and Catherine. I think yep. 
definitely that Simone lost to Andrea and Irina. I believe that's the last time they played. I just get the sense she's going to have that extra little bit of focus and definitely wanting to 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 get them this time around. And I know her and Catherine are such good good friends. I just I expect they'll have a just really natural chemistry on the court. Catherine's also an amazing, amazing player, so that helps too. So I'll pick yeah. them to take it. Um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go Callie Smith and Jesse for second, and I'll put uh, Irina and Andrea getting the bronze on this one. But definitely some some good sleeper teams. Uh, Lindsay was playing with Christine McGrath. They could make some noise. Regina and Sarah Ansbury, um, always a sleeper team. And then yeah. I guess the top sleeper to me for this one would be Michelle Esquivel and uh, Lauren Stratman. Uh, Lauren's really uh, improved her game quite a bit over the last few months, and I know she's pretty hungry. Yeah. Uh, don't know her well, but um, Leia uh, was telling me that uh, I think the two of them are maybe going to play a couple tournaments next year, and um, so it seems like she's definitely on the rise, and Michelle's just been a solid pro, you know, yeah. top-level gal for a while now, so yeah. pick yeah, them as my, my sleeper maybe at that four spot. Be a, be a fun little team to watch. Yeah, Lolo, what's up, girl? I uh, got to got to kind of meet uh, Lolo or Lauren for the for the first time in Texas. She's one pretty cool cat. Um, but yeah, that's a it's a good little team, man, for sure. Uh, there is something to be said with poking the bear and how the how the bear comes back a tad bit hungrier after a loss. Um, Kyle, I know uh, it's kind of it's kind of a funny story, but. I know, uh, yeah, you had, like, just moved to Spokane. You know, we were, I don't know, shit, a couple months into playing, maybe a couple times into playing. But uh, kind of funny. I remember we ended up playing at North Park, and I don't know if you beat me, like, two games or – anyhow, you ended up – you ended up beating me that day. And and I remember, like, going home that night, and literally, like, I couldn't sleep. I was, like, sick to my stomach but all night literally i just wanted to go back to the club and like kick your ass uh so can can you can you tell the viewers what took place that next day oh man oh gosh so looking at it from my perspective right so i just moved to spokane i knew who you were i'd been playing pickleball about a year but i hadn't really played a lot of tournaments yet and uh, singles was kind of my favorite thing and so i you know i didn't know have any idea how i'd match up against you i think the first time we played we played outdoors, and it was like this terrible surface. We were getting a bad bounce. Yeah, yeah, right. So it was really tough to see how it would go. So this is the second time we played North Park, indoor, Dura Ball. It's the sort of area where if somebody gets hot, they can reel off, you know, six, seven uh, points in a row on anybody. You don't, you sure don't enough, have to be yeah, humble. You don't. No, no, I mean, I'm just being <laughs> honest. I, I played well, and I was painting lines, and I think – I think you still beat me. You beat me in three, but I took a game off you, and I think it was like 11-8 in the third or something like that. But um, I was feeling pretty good about it. Like, okay, you know, it's only second time I played against this guy. He's the national champion. Like, I'm, I'm on my way. And so, you know, we show up the next day, and I don't know how I'll do. You know, I didn't necessarily expect to win, but I expected it to, it to be similar to the day before. And I don't know. We probably played four or five games, and at least – three of them were like 11-1 or 11-0. And I was just watching the ball fly past me. It felt like I couldn't even get into any kind of a rally. It was, it was funny because then you let me know, I think later that day or maybe the next day, like how you were up, you know, just yeah, no, stirring sure, right. the whole night frustrated. And so we didn't know each other super well. And I don't know, even though it put me on like suicide watch that night of just getting absolutely killed, <laughs> it definitely made me feel like you were – there's definitely some relatability, right? So, yeah, right. you know, I can, I can certainly relate to, to, you know, if you lose to somebody or play somebody a little closer than you should and you know what you're capable of, the true competitor, that stays with you. And so I knew we were going to be pretty close from that point on um, just in the way that we look at the sport and competing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think, you know, if you're going to – if you're going to make it or, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to be a, a top level athlete, uh, you know, kind of having a, having a couple screws loose, having that crazy competitive fire of like always trying to win, uh, always trying to compete, wanting to win every single little half court skinny game. I mean, I, I personally yep. think all that stuff goes such a long ways. Um, you obviously know me, you know how freaking competitive I am, whether it's like a little like kitchen game to five or, you know, dinking cross court or playing half court skinny, like, I want to freaking win every point. And I, and I want to make sure that, that I give like a hundred percent effort to, um, you know, so. Well, winning's a habit, right? Winning's a habit. So like, I think high level competitors, champions, 
they have that expectation and they have that expectation all the time. It might not be the way to be like happiest in life. You're, I think a lot of people are kind of tor- tortured souls, you no, know, no, with, very, with very true. needing yeah. to win all the time. Because they, they just can't turn it off. Yeah, right. Yeah, but I think it's a pattern that you see across the board. A lot of high level, high level athletes have that personality. You almost need it to really be the best or, or you know, at something on a big scale. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, quick here. So mixed, mixedy. Okay. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. So uh, take taking a look at the uh, mixed pro draw. Uh, so we got Newman and Do- Newman. This is their first time uh, back playing. Lindsay just had her mm-hmm. her little baby. So good to see that she's healthy and baby's healthy. Uh, Mag- McGrath and Young it could be a little sleeper team. Oh, Smith and McGuffin. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Irvin Warnick. Oh, look out. Ansbury, Ansbury Lang, Coop and Diviers, good little team. Dawson Tereschenko, mm-hmm. God dang, man, it goes on and on and on. Um, Just getting deeper and deeper every tournament. Deeper and deeper. <laughs> Stone Carr, uh, Esquivel Cassidy, Stratman Barr, Jardine Johns, Parento Loon, uh, Franco and Johnson, good little team as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle, give me your, give me your top three. Actually, no, no, give me, uh, give me your big sleeper. I'll give you okay, yeah, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to hurt your feelings and not yeah, pick you for for winning it. Feelings, so I'll just give man, you a sleeper, yeah. and and I won't hurt your feelings and call you my sleeper either. So, <laughs> so <laughs> fuck you. Know, you. Like, give me a. <laughs> 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 uh, you know, in the category of sleeper, give me give me Deckel and Lauren Stratman. I think yeah. both those players have, are are on the way up. I mean, they've always been good for a while, but just I feel like they're. They're at the level where they could maybe knock off one of these big dog teams. So okay. um, I like the way both of them are playing. Uh, I don't know if they've played together yet, so we'll see how that chemistry is on court. But uh, mm-hmm. on paper, I like I like those guys. Okay. Okay. And how about then, you? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, 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 let's see here. Sleeper team. Um, gosh. A sleeper team essentially is a team that obviously just hasn't been as successful. I, I guess classify sleeper to me. Right. Yeah. Sleeper. Sleeper. Okay, so. Uh, yeah. Sleeper is what? Like, maybe, they, maybe they've made the po- maybe they've maybe they've made the podium before, but probably no better than than bronze at a, right. at a big yeah. event. Uh, probably not the on paper favorite. Yeah. Um, Probably should have you got know, this maybe established before this pairing. conversation. You're right, 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 okay. right. Maybe a, fir- a first-time pairing, you yeah, know, the yeah. first time they've played together. But okay. yeah. um, not a top two or so favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, for sure. Yeah, you know what? I actually like McGrath and Young. DJ, obviously, kind of like a Matt Goble. You never really know what sort of DJ is going to show up. But when he does show up and he's and he's at his prime, it's pretty stinking good. And 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 we all know the guy is extremely talented. It just comes down to can he can he believe that he can that he can play in those big matches and can he believe that he can play well in those big matches, right? Um, uh, Mm -hmm. And obviously, Christine's a nice little player. Uh, And then my my top three here. Uh, I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, it's going to, it's going to be, um, uh, so Callie and I lost to Ben and Simone, like what, seven and eight or eight and eight in Texas. Um, uh, so I'm just going to be bold. I'm going to say Callie and I, Simone and Ben and, um, and Lung and Parento. Um, Lung and Parento. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Throwing up. Callie, show up, baby. Show up and let's go. No, <laughs> no yeah. particular order, or are we are we was that one was that one two three? That was that was that was one two three. <laughs> All right, uh, love it, um, love it. Well, you know I'll be I'll be cheering you on. I'll, I'll be in your corner. So you better. You got this. You got this. <laughs> yeah, thanks, coach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, hey, so uh, give me give me your nugget uh, nugget of the week. What's what's uh, okay? What's, nugget of the week. So, what's your juiciest um, nugget this for is the one that, for the viewers? I don't know if it's my juiciest, but it's it's my one for this week. So, um, it's master soft height. So, one of the most common phrases I hear in rec play, and I'm even guilty of saying it a couple times myself. You pop a ball up that gets attacked, 
and you hear somebody say, oh, too high, too high, too high, too high. With my students, I really try to get people to rethink that phrase because if you're thinking, if you pop a ball up that gets attacked and you're telling yourself that you hit it too high, what adjustment are you going to make? You're going to start to aim lower to the net and make your target even smaller. So stealing a, a phrase from Mr. Rob Cassidy, um, think about mastering that soft height and dinking shallow. So shallow is a great way to look at your dinks because you need to have a certain amount of height and net clearance for that ball to land shorter in the kitchen. But it forces you to think about hitting your dinks softer to keep them unattackable. So when we pop a dink up, remember that it's not height alone that makes that attackable, it's height plus distance. So a lot of times the height or the margin of error, excuse me, the, the amount of net clearance is appropriate. It's just, it was hit too hard and the ball traveled too far. So just a different way at looking at our mistakes. And I would say most of the time, height is our friend. Yes, you can hit a ball too high where the bounce sits up, but most of the time, high margin of error and soft height is, is the ticket to, to consistency. I like it. I like it. Find it and you keep it. How about it. you? Find, find it, you it. keep it. <laughs> and that is another Rob Cassidy quote. <clears throat> it is. The Rob Our, Cassidy-ism. He guy <laughs> comes up on every episode, man. Um, yeah, so I'm going to throw – When are we going to have Cassidy on one of these podcasts? I, I don't know. We've got to get I Cassidy know. on here one of these I know. times. We've been, we've been kind of being a little stingy and just taking all, taking all the credit here. Um, <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, talk about a technique nugget and um, – uh, let's, let's talk about the block volley. <clears throat> so I think some, some of the main common tendencies or some of the reasons why people are not as, not as successful with that block volley, I believe is because, um, uh, maybe they're not squeezing hard enough. There's too much risk taking place. Uh, there's too much outward push. I would say if there's one main tendency, usually, um, usually it's people trying to do too much and trying to, trying to punch out as they hit that block volley. Uh, we, we, yeah. uh, see this a lot with lower level players, you know, like the natural tendency when, when, a when a ball gets hit hard is to obviously punch back, not block back. And we all know it takes a much higher skill set to uh, block back versus punch back. Um, but, uh, another, another common tendency would be, uh, you know, if you had a beverage in your non-dominant hand, let's say it's an IPA. Um, I see, I, I see a lot of people, uh, throwing that IPA or throwing that beverage over, over their shoulder and having way too much upper extremity activity, or if there was a ball on top of their head, the ball falls off their head. So just all in all, too much activity, too much wrist, uh, too much extension. Um, so, so when I teach that block volley, I, I teach, uh, you know, kind of, kind of have your paddle like a statue, let the ball come to you. Um, I use like a boxer analogy. Like, if, you know, if I, I was uh, if I was going to counter punch Mike Tyson, if Mike Tyson was going to throw a punch at me, I'm going to move into him and force him to kind of punch me from here. And that'll, and that'll take yeah. away all the power. So as I hit that block volley, um, you know, let's, I'm going to, I'm going to use my imaginary ball trick. Let's say my first imaginary ball is here. My second one's out there. So as I hit a punch volley, I, I, I want to meet the second imaginary ball. As I hit uh, my block volley, I just want to meet one imaginary ball. Or if there's a lot of pace coming on it, maybe I just meet like a half a ball. Um, yeah. another, another way to look at it would be uh, on, your, on your punch volley, let's say you hit 40% of the ball. On your block volley, let's say you hit the back 5%. Or let's say, uh, let's say your punch volley is like hitting a home run, and then your block volley is like, uh, is like, a, is like a first date. <laughs> a bunt. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a little bunt. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, talking about, uh, talking about height and shallow, right. I, you know, I think, uh, yeah. Yeah. uh, really, really good defenders trust their height, trust that shallow zone. And they know that they can't hit, you know, this, this, uh, this perfect block that is kind of flirting with the net. So you kind of have to use your margin, use your height, uh, you know, trust that like your shock absorbers or that your legs can, can kind of help. Um, but I, I think big thing on, on the block is trusting your lower extremities, keeping your, keeping your upper extremities nice and quiet, and then just trying to meet that first imaginary ball. Um, but, uh, uh yeah. hey, Kyle, tell yeah. me this. One thing I've oh. noticed, you know, with teaching that one, oh, just, just real quick, is the biggest, and you've referenced it, the biggest challenge I think people have is waiting and allowing that ball to get yeah. into them and not want, resisting that urge to go out and meet the ball. So one, uh, if you're struggling with that, one thing to help you or uh, think about, get extra low 
because if you're low, think of when the ball's traveling, it's usually getting a little bit lower. So if you're very low already with your body, it's easier for you to wait that split second and allow it to get into you. But if you're relatively upright, your tendency is to want to go out and meet the ball before it gets uh, too low and awkward for you. So if you already start low, I think it's a little bit easier to allow that body uh, ball to get into you and resist that urge to go out and meet it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kyle, tell the viewers as a counterattacking situation if somebody were to speed up at you when would you punch and give them one of these and say don't don't bring that nonsense here versus versus just surrender and block i think that's that's a fun yeah, topic so, i mean i'll steal this right from the totally stolen from the the tyson mcguffin uh playbook here but if you see the attack coming if you see it you anticipate it well you feel like you can get that extension I think for against most people, your best option is to go ahead and send a message with that counter punch. But if they disguise you, if they fool you a little bit, or if you feel like uh, maybe you just don't have the strength or the hand speed to contend with the person speeding up against you, nothing wrong for blocking, taking pace off, forcing them to beat you in a different way. So yeah. um, just Good. if you feel like you matched up well in hand speed, go for it. And if you see it coming, go for it. If not, nothing wrong with blocking talked about this earlier i think tyson you're right there in the top of the world or very close to it at being able to reset buy yourself some time get another ball back in play and it just seems like a lot of good things happen uh when you're able to do that yeah and another little little combo that i use uh you know against against some people that i don't feel as comfortable with head to head is is block and then usually they want to come again because they feel like i didn't do enough with the first one and so when they right. come again, I'm ultra ready and then I can slap away, not slap right. away, I can punch away. But plain and simple, it's like a little one-two combo of a block, buy myself some time, get really eager, get very ready, and then, and then clock the right. next one. Um, so well, how often, how often once somebody initiates that first attack, even if do, the block comes back and it's a back. little lower, yeah. it, it, it's, it's really it's hard tough. to not continue going with that attack even yeah. if it's maybe the wrong time, right? No. It's, it's, it takes more discipline to yeah. go on offense, realize that you're no longer in a position of strength and yeah. go back to dinking. Um, so yeah, it's very common that second attack you're going to know is coming and see a little bit better. It's a great play. Right. I know, I know something you've, you've talked about and something that you're doing with your own game is that, uh, <coughs> is that, is that your block? It's not, it's not line drivey, but it's, it's getting down and it's not floaty yeah. and it's kind of more of like an offensive block. So, I mean, you can, you can, I mean, like your, like your block doesn't have to be super defensive. You can kind of just keep it by your body and just get it down. And it's, it's like a halfway punch, halfway block, but it just doesn't have any pace on it, you know? Um, okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to end with some camp recap here or camps coming up. Uh, we have the Newport, uh, Newport tournament coming up this weekend. And then we're running three two day camps after the Newport tournament, uh, three two day camps. So Monday through Saturday, and then we're going to run a little tournament at the Newport, uh, club on that Sunday. So make sure to check out those camps. Um, you can go to my website at TysonMcGuffin.com and register today. Um, also too, uh, we have a camp coming up in St. Clair Shores, Michigan at the Wimbledon racket and paddle club. That's December 19th to the 20th. Um, and then right before the Punta Gorda tournament, we are running, uh, two, two day camps, um, all level specific, uh, at the Pickleplex, and that's January 2nd through the 5th. Um, so you guys can go to my website at TysonMcGuffin.com and check all those camps out. Um, Kyle, I want to say, uh, uh, thanks for jumping on buddy. And, uh, uh, tell, yeah, tell the fam I said, hi. And you yeah, are, we'll you are it. not we'll coming to Newport this weekend, correct? I am. I am playing. I'm playing with, uh, with Nick Garza. So I'm only playing men's. Got uh, it. so I believe I'm getting there the flying in the fourth. So I'll be there the day before. So, okay. uh, I'll be cheering you on and, and mixed and then trying to, to kick your butt if uh, we play in men's. <laughs> cool. I like it. Well, Hey, thanks again, bud. Yeah, of course. All right. We'll see you, man. Have a good one. Um, okay. Gotta pull up the mix again, sorry. Sorry, Cedro, there's gonna be some editing, buddy. Um, let's see here. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, and sorry, I will go with sleeper team, not fucking who's gonna win, sorry.
Okay. No, and, and we can, uh, yeah, we can do that too. That that's no, no, no. However, yeah, I just yeah. didn't want to, I didn't want to make you have to pick the winner if you're in the bracket. That's all. Yeah, right, right, right. right. <laughs> well, I won't, th I won't make thank you, you for say, that. Well, <laughs> it's gonna be me. Simone, you're gonna it's win. Gonna be right? <laughs> I'm getting first, taking it. Hey, you know, I, mean, I think you're so you're playing with Cali. I mean, you you guys have a have a shot yeah, to take yeah, the whole thing. What yeah. the hell, you know? Hey, something something I want to bring up. So talking about Simone and and how she's going to play better with Andrea, or how you know how she's going to play better at, against that team because she lost to him last time. We should talk about like there's value or not value, but there's there's something to be said with like poking the bear. Remember like that. Remember like that one day where where you ended up kicking my ass and I fucking thought oh, about it I all. So we, oh, hey, but, you, I mean, I only took a game off you, but it was like only the second or third time we'd played. So yeah, right, I'm right. coming out of nowhere, I, no business taking a game off of you. And, and you showed me that the next day. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm just, I'm just going to bring that up real quick. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, a, that's a fun, that's a fun, it's a fun story. Yeah, no, it's a fun story. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. So, so talking about, you know, talking about how Simone, you know, obviously still has that loss, probably, probably in the, in the back of her head against, against Coop and Tereschenko uh, in, in Chicago. 